John chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 14. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Yes. Aren't you glad you came to assemble? Yes. Amen. How many did you enjoy the word yes, last Sunday that we're here? If you hadn't, uh, you need to go online and listen to it. Amen. And um, you need to get stirred up about that. We'll, we'll kind of tie today's message into that a little bit because um, we need to desire a move, the move, and be the move of God. Amen. Amen. And so uh, we want to be right in step with the Lord. Uh, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And so we want to walk in those steps because, man, when you do it God's way, um, power is made available. Hallelujah. And um, I'm just going to say that as time continues, as the world gets darker and darker, uh, I just want to admonish you, you will not make it <clears throat> if you do not increase your time in prayer and praying in the Spirit, uh, because the voices of the world are very strong, and they are relentless in their conversation. And if you don't get settled in your spirit and get your faith set like flint, um, you, that he'll be able to get you off. The enemy will. Now, how do I know this is true? Because the Bible says when Jesus returns, he's, he'll have this question, will I even find faith in the earth? That means, will there be a group of people that believe me at my word even though everything says it can't be this way? Hallelujah. We've got to live not by sight, but by faith. All right? So, uh, the message of faith will have to continue to be taught, uh, instructed, uh, the spirit of faith has to be caught because, again, we can say we believe, but we really is far from us in our heart. And so um, we need to find a difference. You know, the Lord gave me this thought that I actually posted. Um, I typically don't do that. I'm trying to get better at some things. Um, but, you know, it just caught me when they said, you know, we're going to keep our eye on the storm. And I thought that's what the world, that's all the only the thing the world can do. All they can do is watch because they live by sight, <coughs> period, you know. And so the world keeps their eye on the storm and hopes for the best. The problem is hope isn't enough. Hope doesn't get the job done. Hope has to get over into faith. And really, hope for most is really not hope because hope is confident expectation. You don't have a confident expectation if you're expecting the worst. See, it's an oxymoron. You can't um, hope for the best you know, you know uh, expect the best, but, you know, understand the worst may show up. Right. Prepare for the worst. So the reality is there's not a confident expectation. I'm not saying you can't be in preparation. What I'm saying is, is that you have to be able to hear. And I, when I, and I heard that statement. Then the Lord says, now the church are believers, you know, and I, we qualify that. And, and again, just because it says church and just because you say you're a believer, there's a qualification here. You know, that you really have to believe. Um, um, we are to keep our mouth on the storm. And we believe for the best, which belief is faith. We have faith that what we say is going to come to pass. And there's a huge difference there. All right? There's a huge difference there. Now, unfortunately, when we make that statement, uh, a lot of times people who are with the church are believers by definition, uh, but maybe not by action think they're in qualification. But again, a lot of people are in the church or believers and they're just hoping for the best. They're not even believing for the best. Right? right? Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Well, no, let's hear our God. What's so awesome is that we were able to go to him ourselves. Yes. 
and just ask the question, what do we do? And, you know, he's talking to us. And if we'll listen, then we can respond. Because the reality is, if we'll do what he says, he'll do what he says. If we'll do what he says, he will do what he says. Amen. If he says you're healed, and then we do the part to say we're healed, then he'll do his part and say you're healed, and you'll be healed. Amen. I had one testify to me today that on Wednesday night, uh, laid hands on them uh, to be healed, had uh, hurt their back uh, at work, was out a couple days. Uh, the power of God came on them. All of a sudden, you know, it, the power of God overcame them. They laid down, and as a result, men it did, their back popped, and it was completely healed. Had no issue after that. Amen. amen. I said amen. amen. Now, again, you may say, well, I didn't see that. That's the problem. That's the issue. This is the issue, is that you can't be concerned about seeing. Don't, your faith can't get stronger by sight. It gets stronger by studying of the Word. Faith comes by hearing. Sight can allow us to look back at faithfulness and say, you know what? He did it here. He did it here. He did it here. But that's not a building of faith. That's in strengthening us that if I'll get back in the Word, believe God at His Word, then His Word will come to pass. Amen. Now, this shouldn't be... Um, difficult for us. The world's doing it too. They're living by faith. It's just by faith based upon what they see because they're taking people's words for it. Right? I, we just happen to go to the source that has the final authority. His name's the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So, John chapter 17, verse 14, we're going to talk a little bit about things. He, Jesus says this, I've given... I have given, and I'm in the Amplified, and delivered to them your word, message. And the world has hated them because they are not of this world. Do not belong to the, to the world. Now, that doesn't mean you don't belong to planet Earth. That means you don't belong to the systems that operate in the world and the thinking that's associated with the world. Again, no problem with preparation in what's going on in our particular state. The thing is, is that we just happen to have someone we can talk to that's unseen but is alive he was here long before we showed up, and he can tell us how we are to respond in this situation. We're not stuck to that natural um, action only. We can go into the supernatural. Amen? Okay. And so he says, just as I'm not of this world, verse 15, and I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. Do you believe God to protect you? Yes. Hallelujah. I said, do you believe he protects you? Yes. Amen. He goes on and says in verse 16, they are not of this world, worldly, belonging to the world, just as I'm not of this world. Sanctify them, purify, consecrate, consecrate, separate them for yourselves, make them holy. By the truth, your word is truth. Just as you sent me into the world. Just as you sent me. Just as. Well, how was he sent? We'll talk about it. Just as, just as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And so, for their sake and on... Their behalf I sanctify, dedicate, consecrate myself, that they may also may be sanctified, dedicated, consecrated, made holy in the truth. Neither for these alone do I pray, meaning I'm praying over my disciples right now, but these aren't the only ones I'm speaking about. He said, it's not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all. For how many? All. Come on, for how many? All. For all those who will ever come to believe in Trusting, cling to, rely on me for their word and teaching. Well, do you trust and rely on God? Yes. Amen. So this applies to you. Yes. I said this applies to you. 
Amen. This is good news. This is shouting news. That they, may come, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, uh, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe and be convinced that you have sent me. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Matthew five sixteen says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good, yes. your what? Good your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there's some principles here because the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's what it's about. It's about man having dominion. Man lost dominion. Adam gave dominion over to the devil. Uh, God gave man dominion in his original creation. He said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him rule or have dominion over. And basically that's the earth. That's the way the earth operated. He was to hear God from his realm. Uh, God would speak to him by the Spirit and then he would follow the Father's will in the earth. And as a result of that, it, uh, we would have heaven on earth. And so heaven and earth was supposed to have the same culture, all right? But when Adam fell from dominion and gave it over to the devil, he, the world became corrupted, sin entered the world. That means a life of disobeying God and not listening to him. And then you get the result of not listening to God or disobeying him because God is life. Okay, so again, God's not on a power trip. God is just life and love. Okay, he is life and love. That's who he is by nature. So if, if we're not doing what he says out of the nature of who he is, then we get the opposite of that. So if you're not walking in love and life, you're walking in death and lust. Okay? And so uh, God wants us back into his family where we can experience life and love. Okay? He wants us to experience that. So there's a kingdom principle of influence because he desires that all kingdoms... Uh, are committed to make the influence of the king as to be felt throughout the entire kingdom. And so God wants his kingdom realm in heaven to be felt, um, to be manifested throughout the whole known world. And the only way that can take place is if we are operating as Jesus operated in the earth. Are you with me? Okay. And then there's a culture that takes, care, uh, takes place in the principle, and that's the lifestyle and the way of life for the citizens. In essence, we live in such a way that we um, reflect the nature of the king. In multiple ways do we reflect him. Um, there is a way of living in this kingdom. And again, the only way you're going to do that is if you go as Jesus was sent. All right? Jesus is not trying to pluck you out. That's not his desire, right. is to get you to heaven. Right. That's just something that takes place after you leave your body. Right. To be absent from your body, you'll be what? Right. Present with the Lord, okay? So heaven's a real place. Heaven's a place we're going to experience. Heaven's there. But the reality is, he's very interested in planet earth. Yeah. In fact, Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the only way you're going to experience he heaven's kingdom in the earth is you must be born again. There's no illegal aliens in the kingdom. You cannot get smuggled in. We cannot purchase your right in. You must be actually born of this kingdom. How are you born of this kingdom? You must believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he shed his blood for uh, your sins, your transgression. He took that blood after he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost, poured it out on the mercy seat in heaven. 
You must confess him as Lord, supreme in authority. It's the only way you're saved. You can't work it. He did the work, but you have a work of faith, meaning you believe that Jesus died and on the third day by the power of the Holy Ghost was raised from the dead. You confess him as the Lord of your life, supreme in authority. I lay down my will. I only do your will because you're loving life. I seek first the kingdom. The Bible says you become a new creature in Christ. The old passes away. Behold, all things become new. Your new spirit man is not an old spirit man rebuilt. It's a brand new one made in the image of God, in the image of Christ. It's in the image of the Son of God. Then the Holy Ghost, which is the third person of the Godhead, will come and live on the inside of this skin suit. Doesn't matter what color your dirt is. In this skin suit, it'll bear witness with your spirit. You are a child of God. And then the Holy Ghost says, we're going to have to get your mind right. Because you've been thinking wrong. You've been on with the wrong family. You've been listening to the wrong daddy. Your daddy was a liar, your old one. He was a liar. He's a father of lies. And he's taught you things wrong. How to get things, how to pursue relationships, uh, how, to live that, how to live when you were breathing. The reality is all you were breathing was death. But now that you're in this kingdom, we got to get your mind renewed. we got to transform your thinking so you'll think like a king. So when Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent is not a religious word. It literally means change your thinking. And you cannot change your thinking until you are first born of the Spirit of God so that you have ability to even hear from God on a consistent basis. The only thing that people who are not born of God can hear of God is that they must be born again. And any expression that God does in their lives is to let them know you need Jesus as your Savior. Now, once you receive the saving power of Jesus, then you, re then you have the third person of the Godhead called the Holy Spirit. And he will begin to say, now, you're a child of God. Let's do, something. Let's do what God ordained you to do. So let's throw out stinking thinking that we're sorry sinners saved by grace. Let's know we were sinners, rebellious to God, but he saved us through our confession of faith and believing Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. Now we are children of God. We are of the seed of Christ. And that's not junk. So start acting like who you are. Renew your mind to who you are. Begin to respond and act to who you are. Now Jesus easily, because he was born of the Virgin Mary, and he is the Son of God. He's God, the Son wrapped in flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we know in John 1, 14, the Word became flesh, right? That he is perfect. It says the man who uh, knew no sin became our sin. Jesus is perfection. Jesus is extremely intelligent concerning the Word. Even at a young age, you know, at a young age, scholars believe around 12, 13 years old, you know, around that particular time, he gets lost. Not that he's lost, but his parents, you know, thought he was with family and they left town. But yet Jesus stays back and he's at church. He's in a synagogue and he's asking questions and answering questions. And the scholars who are well studied are blown away at his knowledge of scripture. Amen. Yet when Jesus turns 30, if he had that kind of wisdom, because the Bible tells us he grew 
with favor with both God and men. He grew in wisdom. When he hits 30 and he's out to start ministry, to start, he's going to start talking finally. I mean, he was talking in the church, and his parents were like, what are you doing? Well, didn't you know I'd be about my father's business? They didn't understand that, but he never left their side again to go out and start ministering. We have no record of that. But when we have record for him to start to minister, before he does, there's a couple things that have to take place. And he's full of wisdom. See, the problem is, and you know it as well as I do, because we minister it here at Anchor Faith Church, is that being educated alone is not good. In fact, it's, it's, it, it'll hinder you tremendously in church if you come to get educated. Because if you just come to get educated, you'll, the best you'll ever be is a Pharisee. And nobody wants a Pharisee or a Sadducee. Right? Uh, you, need to do, you need to be equipped. And equipping is different than just being educated. Now, you have to get knowledge. But knowledge alone puffs up and makes pride. Amen. And I'm amazed at how many believers just want to know something. And not know someone. But we're in a culture where we're satisfied with what? With just information. Can I just say it that way? I can't tell you how many people come and say, Man, it looks like y'all had a great time on your vacation. I'm not talking here. I'm talking people don't even go to this church. Right? You know, oh, I saw you went on that trip. And it's like they talk to me like they know me. You don't know nothing about my trip just because you have information and pictures of what I did. You're not closer to me because you can tell me I went riding my bike on a trail. Okay, I'll go over here. You're not closer to me just because you saw uh, people we ministered to in a particular nation somewhere, and you can say, oh, man, you should see what Pastor Earl's doing, and tell people what I'm doing. They're like, wow, they, they think, oh, you must know him. No, I just looked at his pictures and followed his posts on Instagram. And You can do the same with the Word of God. You can talk like you know him, but he, you don't know him. You just have information about him. And we don't want to have that. Right? Because this is the problem before Jesus returns with the majority of his covenant people. Is that they had information about him, but had a very, very difficult time knowing him. Even though they saw the miraculous. See, what Jesus did is amazing. In fact, what Jesus did, they long, the patriarchs of old longed for. And we de-emphasize it across the board in the church today, generally speaking. But we cannot de-emphasize what Jesus himself emphasizes. Jesus himself in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 emphasized the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's what he emphasized. He emphasized that, listen, I have to go so that he can come. And then says this. It's amazing. How in the world? Why would we want to get rid of a, an advantage? Why would we want to get rid of an advantage? Just because we can't see him. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go so that he may come. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the Holy Ghost? Now, again, we're not emphasizing the Holy Spirit over Jesus at all. In fact, the Holy Spirit will let us know about Jesus. Thank God for that. He said, he's going to tell you what I'm saying. And I need to know what Jesus is saying because he's the king. He's the ruler of heaven and earth. 
He is the, uh, the God of, of, of this world in our lives, not the devil anymore. He's whipped and stripped the devil of his power, and he only has power over those who ha remain in his dominion. But the minute you're born again, you're transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. You need to hear from your king. You want to hear from your king. And it's the Holy Spirit that lets you know what the king's saying. So Jesus emphasized the Holy Spirit. He said he would come. He's the spirit of truth. So again, well, what is truth? Truth is not a what. Truth is a who. It's the spirit of truth. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is 30 years old. He's full of wisdom. He has favor with man and God. And then guess what happens? He goes and finds John the Baptist. John the Baptist says to him, ah, speaking of Jesus, he said, I'm not the guy. Because they were like, are you the guy? Are you the Messiah? He said, I'm not the guy. He said, man, I'm not even worthy to unlace the guy's sandals, right? He said, now, I baptize with water, but he'll come and baptize you how? With the Holy Spirit and fire, okay? So Jesus shows up, and he says, Jesus says, baptize me, John. He said, no, sir. No, sir. You should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, permit it so that all what? Righteousness may be fulfilled. I've got to do what God says. Righteousness is not a religious word. It means right standing with the governing authority. Jesus only did what the Father said. So if Jesus is being baptized by John, it's because it's been spoken that it would happen. But when it takes place, He's baptized in the Jordan River, and he comes up. When that took place, the Bible tells us that Father God says, this is my son, audibly, and those around heard it. This is my son, but more importantly, told Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But he did more than that. See, this is important because a lot of times we communicate about, you need to come to Jesus, you must be born again so that you'll know you are a what? child of God. On that day, God just did not announce that he was the son of God. If all that mattered is that we know we're children of God, then that's all that would have been recorded. The heavens opened up, and the Father said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, and Jesus would have then went. Then at that point, he'd have been walking out and went to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. But it doesn't say that, does it? It says, not only does the Father say, yes, you're my son. Then the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Amen. And he received the Holy, he received the Holy Spirit without measure. Then in Matthew chapter 4, it tells us, first verse, Jesus being led by the Spirit. Jesus didn't say, all right, I'm going into the wilderness. Jesus never had that thought alone. And if Jesus Christ, who's the head of the church, cannot, cannot do ministry without the leading of the Holy Spirit, then what makes us think we are being successful for the Lord without ever hearing the Spirit of God? Amen. Amen. Jesus said it's to your advantage that he comes. Then he tells us, listen, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to protect them from the evil one. As you sent me, I send them. How can he guarantee that the devil, when he comes to pick a fight with you, can't win? Because if you go as he goes, then you'll win. Yes. Amen? 
Jesus, being what? Led by the Spirit, went to the wilderness to be what? Tempted of the devil. In essence, Jesus went to go pick a fight with him. In essence, the Holy Ghost said, I'm going to go on out there and let you find, let the God of this world come to you, but I'm in you. You have the Word in you. Jesus has studied the Word. Now I've got my Spirit on you. I've endued you with power from on high. Now you're going to go out there, and in the power of the Spirit and in the full uh, um, um, knowledge of the Word of God, you're going to do something. Because when Jesus dealt with the devil, he said this, Abracadabra, wave my wand. No, he said, it is is written. But that it is written wasn't a stat, wasn't a piece of information. It was full of the Holy Ghost and power when he began to speak. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce between joint and marrow, soul and spirit. That Word, when it left his mouth, it was a sword of the Spirit. It was the sword of the Spirit. It was the sword of the Spirit. Just because you quote a Word doesn't mean that there's any power in it. Unless you have the Holy Spirit behind it. And you're not going to have the Holy Spirit behind it if, you're not, if you don't acknowledge and recognize His ministry and His work in your life and your need for Him. Being, I'm preaching way better than this 830 crowd is amening right now. The reality is, is you can navigate in life. You can get enough knowledge and make enough choices. And it seemed pretty good. But if you want real power then you're going to have to acknowledge, Holy Spirit, I need you. Yes. Amen. So when I'm thanking the Lord this morning when I'm out praying, I'm like, Father, I love you so much. Thank you so much. Man, you're so good. Again, looking at the stars, I thought, who is man that you even consider us? Wow. And those stars you hung for me. Wow. You were mindful of me. Then I say, thank you, King Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. Thank you that you died for me. And I'm co-laboring with you. Just tell me what to say. But he can't tell me what to say unless the Spirit of God reveal it. So I'm like, thank you, Holy Spirit, today. <laughs> I'm so glad. And then I said this, I need to hear you because, Jesus, you're the head of the church, and your people are going to collect upon the same place here in a little bit. And man, I don't want it my words, but I want it your words. I want it to be as if God is standing before them speaking to their hearts. But you can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's not spooky. Just because the King James called him the Holy Ghost doesn't mean he's scary. And there's not friendly ghosts and, and, and bad ghosts. There is the Spirit of God. There's bad spirits, demonic spirits that are not of God. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has never had a problem with the de demon spirit. He's whipped him every time, whipped every one of them. Amen. Because God didn't give us a spirit of, but a, but a spirit of what? Power, love, and of sound mind. We have the Holy Ghost. Man, you ought to just thank the Lord right now that you have the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit. Amen. So... We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit, as we uh, saw last week, is that, you know, he has a move. He wants to do some things. And that there's this latter rain coming for the church. There's the early rain and the latter rain. The early rain was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as prophesied by Joel. But there will be a latter a rain of, that, of the Holy Spirit. And the latter rain uh, will include a harvest. Okay? So I'm not saying that it will not include. But the rain's not for the loss. The rain's for the maturing of the crop. It's for the believers. 
And so the Lord wants the rain to come so the church can mature and rise to the level so that then those that are outside would see the light of God so clearly they would run to the Lord. Okay? But in order for that to come, you've got to pray for the rain. You have to pray for these expressions to take place. Again, Jesus told the disciples, tarry into Jerusalem till the Spirit comes. And guess what? They prayed. They didn't just say, well, you'll do it anyway. I don't have to say anything. You're in control. No, the Lord says, pray. I need someone to pray. He said this about his nation. I went looking around for someone to stand in the gap. Couldn't find anybody. Since I had no one to stand in the gap for me to be able to put mercy out, then I had to do what my word says. And my word says, if you keep disobeying, you're going to be captured. You're going to be uh, uh, underneath bondage. And you know what? You're underneath bondage because you are, you're an adulterous generation. You are idolaters. You ran away from me. You didn't keep me first. You didn't keep my commandments. And that's why the nations are coming. He could have brought nations long before, but there were prophets. There were people who were praying, standing in the gap, saying things, speaking things, communicating things. And even in this dispensation, it requires us to pray God's will. We release heaven's desire into the earth in our prayer life. And you cannot pray what heaven wants if you do not hear what the Spirit of God is saying. But the Holy Spirit is not just uh, an example of uh, a downpour of water. You know, this uh, rivers of living water. He's also oil. We know in I, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says this. But you are the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the, uh, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom, and you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with what? The oil of gladness. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has come upon me. Amen. For he has what? He's anointed me. He acknowledged. He didn't say, look, I am God in the flesh. I don't need nothing else. <laughs> he said, I'm anointed. The Spirit of God has come upon me. And it was visibly seen. It was visibly seen. So the oil of gladness above your com uh, companions, that's taken from Psalms 45, 7. That's what he said over in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because you've anointed me, right? When we get on down to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth. Who are the kings of the earth? We are. He's the king of and the Lord of. That's us. That's us. All right? To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood, and he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his father, to his God and father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. 1 John 2, chapter 20, and then jump down to 27. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Do you have an anointing from the Holy One? Aren't you glad you have an anointing? Yes. I said, aren't you glad you have an anointing? Yes. We have an anointing. Yes. It's a yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God. Yes. How could anything hold us down, keep us back? Because we have the power of God. Yes. And it's humility for us to acknowledge that God gave us the third person of the Godhead to rise out of the, the, the stink of sin and the life of lack. But he has empowered us. To walk among the earth and represent his kingdom. It's such good news that I'm not stuck anymore. But I've been made alive. And his spirit is on me. 
No stinking thinking can stay in my mind. Nothing my mama said, my grandma said, my aunt said, my uncle said. No abuse that ever could have come to my life could be talking to me and tell me about who I am. I know who I am. I'm in Christ Jesus, and the Holy Ghost is on me, and I'm a child of God. So excuse me because I get a little undignified about who I am in Christ. My dad didn't put smear a Holy Ghost on me to leave me living like junk. He anointed me as a king in the earth to speak his will, to do his will, to overcome trials and tribulation, and to do it with gladness. And I'm glad to be able to be raised up in, in, in heavenly places and seated in Christ Jesus. No longer beat down, broke down. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we're anointed? And he goes on to verse 27. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him, what? Abides. Word abides in you, doesn't it? Amen. 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, 7 through 12. I'm only going to do 7, 8, and 9. It says, but we have a treasure. Have this treasure in earthen vessels. You know what's so powerful about what Jesus did for us and the dispensation he, we are in? It's because it's Christ in us. The hope of glory. Not just Christ in us, meaning our spirit man's in the likeness of Christ, and we know that we're children of God, and we know it because the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are. He doesn't live in a tent or a tabernacle. He's in us. Where I am, God is, because he's in me. Amen. And that's what the Word says. I believe it. I know. I'm, I don't have to go any further then right here, the Holy Spirit. But there's more. He does more than just live in me. He came upon me when I got filled with the Holy Ghost and endued me with power. So that as Jesus was sent, Jesus said, I've been walking with you disciples for three, three and a half years. You know the word. I've sanctified you with truth, but don't go talk to nobody yet till the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And they didn't get the Holy Ghost come upon them till they put themselves in a position to earnestly pray for the Holy Ghost to come. Hallelujah. Somebody's got to be believing God for expressions of the Spirit. And if you want expressions of the Spirit in your life, you've got to do that as well. He said, but we have this treasure in earth and vessel so that the surpassing greatness of the power of God uh, power will be of God and not of ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. Meaning, in life you're going to have trials and tribulations. But you're never, what, destroyed. You, nothing can take you out. If you'll walk with the Lord, humble yourself before his plan so that you can say, I'm done. Someone commented, uh, uh, you know, I was talking about this in general, uh, again, about, you know, God causes us to deliver. And then they want to cite a few people that died following God. But the reality is, Paul never died until he was finished. God doesn't guarantee you can't be killed. But they didn't go out with a sickness and disease. Are you with me? And they didn't go out before they finished their course. They tried to kill Jesus on many accounts, but couldn't do it. He actually walked through the midst of them. Then when it was time to go, he said, okay, we're done. Amen. Paul, I have fought the good fight. They've tried to kill me on many a times. In fact, one time was successful, and I was called up to the third heaven. But the Lord put me back in my body. Hallelujah. And I finished the course. 
Amen. So ain't nobody killing Paul before Paul's finished. Same thing with Peter. Peter, here he is locked up between two guards. They've already killed James, and they're getting him the next day. But we're not done, Peter. So an angel knocks the, the chains off. Everybody else stays asleep, drags him out of the prison. He thinks he's in a dream until he gets on down the road. So I know this according to Scripture. If I'll allow my steps to be ordered of the Lord, there's no place I go in obedience to God that can take me out before I finish my course. And even then, it doesn't even have to. If my love walk can get so great, then I'll be like John. They tried to kill John, bull him and all, and he's still coming up. What's next? <laughs> I mean, they were so scared of John because he's the one whom God loved. They are like putting a man on an island. Hallelujah. Just because things we see happen, let's stay with the Word. And let's apply that to our lives. Amen. Okay. So, Psalms 23, 5 says this. And then we're going to break down a few things and close this morning says, you have prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> you have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I mean, when trouble starts coming, you need to say, ah, I'm fixing to sit down and eat. <laughs> I mean, if you'll renew your mind, you'll realize, ah, we're fixing to sit down and eat. Somebody's fixing to see God do something. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. The reason why you have an anointing in your life is because there is an enemy out there that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And God wants his anointing to flow in you and out of you so that you can help be the part of deliverance. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, for he has anointed me to, uh, to preach the gospel, right? He, to bind up the brokenhearted, to deliver those that are in captive. Do you understand? That's your call as well, whether you are a five-fold minister or a saint. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All, just a believer can do that. Guess what? That's taking the anointing that you have, the third person of the Godhead, and listening to him and the power that he's given you, and you can demonstrate him to the world. But you're not going to do it if you're not earnestly desiring his expressions. The first thing you got to do is you got to allow him to cultivate his fruits in your life internally. You must allow the fruits of the Spirit to happen. But you need to study out in Galatians chapter 5 those fruits that are for you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, um, long-suffering, self-control, those things. They're there. Okay? Read them all. There's nine of them. They should be a part of your life. So if something tries to aggravate you, just pull a fruit out. Yield to the Holy Ghost. I said yield to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. I just can't love them. Yes, you can. You have the Holy Spirit in you, and the first thing he gives you is love. Because if you can't love, then you're in trouble. Period. Now, love doesn't mean you put up with somebody's sin. Because even the Lord, who is love, doesn't do that. Love is not acceptance. Well, you, you should just love me. No. I love you so much that you better quit and repent from your wicked ways because I am not hanging out with your wickedness. Okay, we won't get into that. Take me too long. But we're anointed. I said we're anointed. Now let's do a little type and shadow real quick. There are properties that come with oil. 
I said there's properties that come with oil. All right? Amen? Because we want oil, the oil of God, the oil of gladness to flow in our lives. The first thing that we understand about oil is it lubricates. Okay? And why is that important? It's because it causes things to fit together easily, to slide into place. You know what? The Bible says that he has placed you in the body where it pleases him. Why is it that people have a hard time fitting? <laughs> I can tell you why. Because they're not full of the Holy Spirit. They may have knowledge of the Word, have a lot of information, but it's hard to get them to fit. It's hard to get them to slide in somewhere. Yeah, I'm preaching. Yeah, it's going to get better before it gets better. Hallelujah. Amen. So it causes things to fit together easy, to slide into place. Here it is, listen, without resistance. Amen. You know what? I, you know what? Uh, the Lord says, I need you to. And you're like, I ain't doing that. Oh, that's resistance. You need oil. I said, you need oil. Amen. You may not be called to children, but the Lord needs you to go to children for a season. Amen. Because he loves them. Man, I can't be hanging with those kids. The Lord says, suffer not the little children. You, well, I, you, you suffer not, I suffer. Why? The only reason you're suffering is because you're not full of the Holy Ghost. You just need some oil. It'd be amazing what the Holy Ghost can call, equip you to do. Amen. We're in all crisis in the church. Because we're not even talking about the Holy Spirit. We're not even acknowledging that He exists. We talk about Jesus crucified, raised from the dead. That's it. Yet if the third person of the Godhead doesn't get on the inside of you and say, You're a child of God. All those who are led by the Spirit... These are the sons of God, not all those who can quote Scripture and attend church and say memorized prayers. No, they're led by the Spirit. Amen. You know what else oil will do? It keeps things from becoming fatigued and wearing out. Pastor, I'm just burnt out. You need to pray in the Holy Ghost then. You need some oil. Yeah. It's amazing how many people, you get born again, you get filled with the Spirit, man, you're running, you're like a brand new car, and you never check the oil. And you run that thing, you never change it, you just run and run and run and run and run. And the Lord's like, man, you need a checkup. You need an oil change. That's why you come to church. I'm just so dry. You haven't been in church, you need an oil change, man. I mean, you need to show up. You need to get filled with the Spirit again. You need to keep being filled, which is what it means. Keep being filled. Now, he's in you. He's always going to bear witness. But again, he'll give you an overflow that will help you, strengthen you to go on through. But if we're not even acknowledging him and wanting anything, well, pastor, how come we don't see any gifts of the Spirit moving? Well, are you desiring them? Because they can't come without a desire. He said covet. Earnestly covet the gifts. But what do you desire most? Love. Why? Because everything works out of love. If you're not walking in love, faith doesn't mean jack. Hope doesn't mean anything. 
But when love's in operation and you're walking in the love of God and you desire the expression of God and you're full of the Holy Spirit, then everything's going to work. And you begin talking about praying for rain. You've got to earnestly desire for the gifts of the Spirit to get in operation. How come we don't see Spirit moving? Well, are you stirred up? Are you keeping yourself lubricated in the Spirit? This is not a one-man show. A one-woman show. This is the body of Christ moving together. You let just one of your pistons seize up in your car. Just one. Lock. Woo, it's going to be a rough ride. Yeah. I had a Mazda MP3. And man, you know, <laughs> I ran it. I ran that thing till there was no oil. And I was leaving church one day. I was youth pastor in Oklahoma, and all of a sudden, and I'm pulled over, and it's gone. It's dead. Man, it's locked up. Had to put a whole new engine in it. Yeah. Just because I was so busy for the Lord, <laughs> I forgot to check the oil, deal with the oil, deal with maintenance. Now how people are, I'm just so busy, Lord. Can't come to church, can't read, can't pray. Why? Well, I'm working. You're working yourself dry. You're working yourself fatigued. That's not what God wants. God wants us full of the Spirit of God. Why? Because, again, when you're tired and fatigued, you can't give out God. You can't allow the, your cup to overflow, the oil to overflow into the lives of those that you're around. All right? You know what else it does? Oil provides energy. It improves performance. It produces power. Whoo, glory to God. Aren't you glad it produces power? Amen? Energy. Well, I'm tired. Get, start praying in the Spirit. Begin to pray in the Spirit. Stir yourself up in your most holy faith. Stir yourself up. Get in an atmosphere where you can come and worship God. Sing in the Spirit. Sing in the natural. Sing in the Spirit. Amen. Seek the Scripture. Say, Holy Ghost, talk to me. Tell me what I need. When we do this, man, it allows us to stay strong. You know what else it does? It eliminates friction. Eliminates stress. You know, you get two, two uh, uh, pieces coming together. There's friction. There's stress that takes place. But, man, if you'll put some lubricant on there, if you get some oil on that thing, it can allow that thing that that stress that's it's underneath, it won't cause things to break. It'll allow them to continue to handle under stress. Man, I'm just all stressed out. Then I realize this. Then you're all Holy Ghost out. Right? You can't be stressed. You shouldn't be stressed. shouldn't be anxious. Stay full of the Spirit. Let's don't be an oil crisis church. Let's have a, a, a well, a reserve, where this thing's popped off and it's everywhere. Amen. That is flowing. And when it flows, people will take notice. You know what else? It keeps things from sticking. Man, I just feel stuck. Feel stuck in my relationship. Feel stuck at my job. Feel stuck at... Guess what it'll do? You start praying in the Spirit. You start staying full of the Holy Ghost. In areas of your life, you'll get unstuck. I said you'll get unstuck. Amen. You know, if you've been in tight situations. You know, I've had some, some um, you know, bolts that are on things. It's tight. It's tight. But what do you do? You put some oil on it. WD-40 is a type of oil, you know, those, you, you put that stuff on there, man. You stick it down there, you, you, and let it soak. Ugh. You let it get it seep down in the cracks a little bit. 
Now, again, you start to torque that thing off. It's still a little tight. But again, because you allow the oil to start to penetrate, all of a sudden what was immovable and, and would, in essence, shear the head off. Now, all of a sudden, it's starting to move. You put some more, let it sit for a little bit. Some of you, you so tight, man, you just need to sit in the Spirit of God for a while. You so uptight, God's trying to move you, and you're like, Yeah, I see it in worship all the time. <laughs> Wish Pastor Marcus would quit. Pastor Marcus is full of the Holy Ghost. That's why he's so loose up here. Yeah. Woo, he's loose. We're loose. Yeah. Amen. Everybody. You know, you, everybody raise your hands, he says. <laughs> Get some oil on it, man. That thing should just go bing. It's a spring up. Woo! Holy hands lifted high. The Bible says that. I said the Bible says that. This ain't, I ain't going to do what that man says. Do the word. Holy hands lifted high. If you can't raise your hand, apparently you ain't holy. Just do it next service, Pastor Marcus, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take pictures. Just lift your hands to the Lord. And I'm going to go, we're going to get some oil on you. <laughs> Amen. Tight. 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 Shouldn't be tight. The devil wants to tighten you down, lock you down, keep you locked down. Wants the oil away from you. Won't friction in your life. Won't stress in your life. And he knows that if he can get you off the Spirit of God, if he can get you away from the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that came upon Jesus that wreaked havoc on him and his kingdom, if he can get you away from the Holy Ghost, then my gosh, he'll lock you down, and you know what? You'll do nothing significantly great for the kingdom. The devil had no problem with people who read Scripture. He could turn them to pharisaical easy, get them in pride easy. But a man full of the Holy Ghost, he has problems with them. A woman full of the Holy Ghost, he's got some challenges. Why? Because they have totally abandoned themselves, realized it ain't me that can do anything, and my uh, memory skills can't do it. What does it is the power of God. The, Paul, the apostle said, I did not come with you with elegant words or speech. I didn't come with you. He said, but we came in the power of the Spirit. Man, he messed things up. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, you know, people start speaking in tongues. People get upset. Do you know, if you actually read that, it says tongues are for the unbeliever. If done properly and in order according to Scripture, unbelievers be like, what's going on with this? It'll draw them. Actually draw them. Man, I really hope they don't speak in tongues because I'm bringing so-and-so today. Most likely it's fixing to blow. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the devil planted that thought in your head because he knows if that happens, something's going to happen to them. You ought to just go and say, now listen, I'm going to worship my king, okay? I'm so excited you came with me today. Just go on over. Amen. You're not doing it so loud. It's not a gift of the spirit of tongues that needs an interpretation. If you rightly divide the word of truth, amen. But people are like, hmm, what's going on here? But if the tongue does come and then the interpretation is necessary, then we'll explain that, show it in scripture, and move on. Amen. And somebody be like, wow, what's happening? Amen. I'm doing prayer anyway, so I'm driving on. It's the first, 
It's the first Sunday of the month. I'll be ministering and we'll be praying for the nation. Um, he says this. Um, it gets rid of the squeaking. All to do that. Now, you know what squeaking is, don't you? Squeaking it and squeak, 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 squeak. That's not squeaking. Squeaking is, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know how we're going to get it. Oh, man, what's going to happen? Oh, I'm so concerned. I'm just so scared. I'm just so, that's squeaking. You see what they said to me? You see how they talk about me? You see what they did to me? That's squeaking. That's squeaking. They get rid of that squeaking. All of a sudden, you'll bless your enemy. You'll give them your coat and your cloak. You'll buy them lunch. You get rid of squeaking. Hallelujah. The complaining. The wine bagging. You'll get rid of all that. The Holy Ghost will get rid of that stuff. You know, get rid of it. They don't recognize my gifts up in this church. That's squeaking. Because your gift will make room for you. You're not in faith. You're squeaking. You're a little squeaking wheel. Don't judge me. That's a squeak. <laughs> Amen. You'd be like, Lord, examine my heart. Make sure I'm pure and right before you, man. I don't want to do anything wrong. And if I have, I'll openly repent. I, I'm unashamed of that. I don't care what the process uh, of restoration is. I am truly repentant. I'll do whatever God says to get us back where we need to be and me back where I need to be. I will not put any parameters on it because if I've blown it, God, whatever you need to do to restore me, I'm there. Yes. Anything else is squeaking? Squeak, squeak, squeak. You know, people don't like squeaking. But many have learned to learn, live in the squeak. In fact, when it gets gone, they get nervous. It's too quiet. You're supposed to live at peace, not in squeaks. Hallelujah. You know what it does? It provides light. It provides light. You are not the light of the world without the Holy Spirit. Can't be done. You know what else? It also brings provision. Just in the natural. Right now, the Middle East. You think, the U.S. don't have money. Not like over there. Those guys that's got the oil pumping. You go to Dubai. I mean, cars we see every once in a while, you know, we see Fords and Chevys and Toyotas. You know, they got Porsches. You hear what I'm saying? Maseratis, Lamborghinis, like common. I remember listening to one minister said, yeah, I went to one of the malls and the Sheik's wives would show up and they dropped $10,000 like that. Shopping. Every day. Because of oil. And your dad owns that field too. I said, your dad owns that field too. I'm just saying, we can't step out and do the plan of God. Well, how are we going to make it? Oil provides. I said, oil provides. The last thing I want to say about oil is this. It's highly flammable. <laughs> Amen. You ought to get on fire for God and let somebody watch you burn. What I mean by that is that you should let God's Word permeate you so much it burns off anything and everything that isn't in alignment with Him, and all that's left is the purity of God's uh, um, being exercised through you. The purity of God being exercised through you.
I love the teaching of the Word. I do. But I would, could not teach it, could not preach it without the power of the Holy Ghost. And I know this today, that every service that I come into, that for some, you are desiring the Spirit of God to talk to you because He's the one who talks to us. You know, Jesus talked to me. Jesus talks to you through the Holy Spirit. Even the word you read, which is Jesus, cannot be revealed but by the Spirit. It's not naturally appraised, but what? Spiritually discerned. So it's the Holy Ghost that brings it to light. No one's even born again unless the Spirit draws them. So the finished work of Jesus can't even be accomplished until the Holy Spirit starts saying, hey. He has a very significant part. Extremely significant part. The Father finished His in seven days of creation. Jesus finished His on the cross. And now He just stays up in heaven and, and communicates by praying for us. He'll come back later to physically rule the planet during the millennial reign. But right now, He's just seated up there praying for us. But the Holy Ghost is here now. And He's doing the work of the Father, of what Jesus is saying, and letting us know. And we need to not only know He's in us, but that He is upon us and we're full of the Holy Ghost. And maintain the move of the Spirit in our lives. You want to move? Move God by moving yourself, by praying in the Spirit, staying connected to God. Humble yourself before the Spirit of God. And when you do so, He'll never fail to do it.